This is very personal work for me. Politics. I believe I was called to sex. Tell my story. Use my voice. Gay people. The community. Black people. And for a community of people. The underdog. Ignored. Denied. Love. Relationships. Religion. Religion. This is my life's work. Religion. I want to use words to uplift, heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Everybody This podcast was brought to you by Green to Clean Professional Carpet Cleaning Services. Visit them at g2clean.com. Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I am Craig the Writer Stewart, and this is so much to say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit, white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. Okay, so the purpose of this podcast is really to have a conversation with some educators here in the Atlanta area. I want to get to the bottom of what our children need, what our children lack, and what the black family can give to support you guys as educators. So I want to start by saying that among you, there's 123 years worth of experience in terms of all of your careers combined. I want to begin by talking or reading a piece of what Bill Cosby said many years ago because he had talked about the lack of parenting in the black community. A lot of people were offended, mostly black people were offended because of what he said or because of how he said it. So I want to get your take on it and then we want to go into some of your actual experiences. So again, this is something that Bill Cosby spoke about. He actually had a, a tour. Uh, he was going around the country speaking at a lot of the, the black high schools across the country. They're standing on the corner and they can't speak English. I can't even talk the way these people talk. Why you ain't, where you is, what he drive, where he stay, where he work, who you be. And I blamed the kid until I heard the mother talk. And then I heard the father talk. Everybody knows it's important to speak English except these knuckleheads. You can't be a doctor with that kind of crap coming out of your mouth. In fact, you will never get any kind of job making a decent living. People marched and were hit in the face with rocks to get an education. Now we've got these knuckleheads walking around. The lower economic people are not holding up their end in this deal. These people are not parenting. They are buying things for kids, $500 sneakers for what? And they won't spend $200 on hooked on phonics. People putting their clothes on backwards, isn't that a sign of something gone wrong? Brown or black versus the Board of Education is no longer the white person's problem. We have to take the neighborhood back. People used to be ashamed. Today a woman has eight children with eight different husbands or men or whatever you call them now. We have millionaire football players who cannot read. We have million dollar basketball players who can't write two paragraphs. We as black folks have to do a better job. Someone working at Walmart with seven kids, you are hurting us. We have to start holding each other to a higher standard. We cannot blame the white people any longer. So what is your first thought about that? And anybody can speak on it. Well, I'm somewhat in agreement with what Bill Crosby said, simply because my own experience with my daughter and my son-in-law has been um, their parenting style. Um, my daughter's or my son-in-law says things like, is you coming? Mm -hmm. 
and I am against those kinds of that kind of statement because they have a two-year-old, right? And that two-year-old is is learning to speak, and that is what he's going to eventually say: "Is you instead of are you?" Right. So that is very it's very difficult for me. But when I talk to my daughter and tell her that, and and she doesn't speak like that, right. which is quite interesting. That she doesn't speak like that, but her husband speaks like that. So, as so we know your position, but tell tell everyone listening what your role is with Atlanta Public Schools. My role with Atlanta Public Schools is I'm a paraprofessional office clerk. Yeah, and I've done a lot of roles with APS. Um, that has not been my only role. I've been in the classroom. Uh, I've gone out to visit um, homes, trying to get children to come to school. When they don't come, uh, I've done attendance issues with children and their parents. So I've had a lot of roles since 1978. Okay. What else? Anybody else in terms of what? i like to add that I believe is the language that Bill, the tone, I should say, mm-hmm. that Bill Crosby is using. And I think t- parents teach their children what they know. If that's all they know, then that's what they're going to teach them. I think that we have a responsibility to teach children what we call switching. There's a way to talk depending on your audience. You and I switch. We know when we're sitting in a group, we can hee hee ha ha. There's a certain language that we use, but when we're on the job, there's a different language. So yes, that is an issue, but again, understanding that parents teach what they know. And I I definitely understand where Bill is coming from, but I think what a lot of people object to is the those people and low income people and them people like those pronouns as if he's not included in the group. And while I choose not to live my life in that situation, I definitely come from that situation. I come from Southwest Atlanta, single parent home. So I understand. So I never speak about others as those people. I choose not to live a certain way. I choose to live a certain lifestyle. That's a choice I have made through my positive choices through life. um, I chose to live a certain lifestyle, but I never forget where I came from and where I started. And what's your what's your role? Give us your role. I'm an administrator in an elementary school. Okay, and what's your role? I'm a school counselor. Okay. In elementary school. And so, but I agree wholeheartedly with some of what he's saying. Sometimes our parents are so intent on their children having the things that they never had or that having the that that becomes the focus or having the freedoms that they never had that becomes the focus instead of school being their primary focus. And a lot of our parents are living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so their lifestyle, their struggle is their primary focus instead of making their children's education be their primary focus and the struggle because the, secondary. Because the struggle is more immediate where the education right. is the long-term right. reward. Right, And I think a lot of times our parents just don't understand how their mm-hmm. actions impact negatively right. their children's education. Right. I'll, uh, yeah, I would like to add that uh, when I think about what has been said already, that even in the past, our parents focused on work. But yet, mm-hmm. our parents valued and respected education, wherein today 
that value of an education and the respect of teachers and an education is not there. Now, what has happened to cause that change? Um, I look back and I say that integration has had an impact mm. on how we have changed over time and how we have taken responsibility for our own learning and our own growth and development. Um, with all of that that's happening, someone mentioned earlier about we're not teaching the children. When we were in school, we were taught mm -hmm. that when I'm in a program, I use a certain language and my mm -hmm. tone of voice changes. Mm -hmm. Wherein when I'm talking to you outside of school, then we use regular vernacular. So the church also played an important part mm -hmm. in how we spoke and what we say. We've gotten away from the church as well. And I think all of these entities play an important part on how successful we are with our education, grasping the English language, everybody playing a critical role. And today, that what we just said, what Bill Cosby said, is lacking and missing. Now, how do we fill that void? That's a question that we really need to look at and focus on in order to make a difference, I think, in the lives of the boys and girls that are in our charge at this particular point in time in public education. And so you're now retired, correct? But what was your role when you were in education? Uh, I served in various capacities. I served as a teacher, an instructional specialist, an assistant principal, and a principal, as well as a professional development training specialist, and an international mentor uh, for administrators. And I just want to add to what she said about the value of education. I think our society and our media has put such a spotlight on people who are successful without having an education, such as athletes who go straight out of high school or, you know, ball players, actresses, singers, that we forget that those are people of one in a million. Right. Like those people for every 50 people that get picked up in the draft, there were 200 who didn't get picked up. And so our media has put such a spotlight on famous people and professional athletes and singers and dancers and those type of things where when we were growing up, lawyers and doctors and those people were our, the people we aspire. We do. aspire. Yeah. Now, everybody wants their child, and not everybody, I'm not going to characterize, but lots mm -hmm. of people want their child to be the next LeBron right. or the next uh, Strahan or the next uh, Britney Spears or the next Beyonce um, <laughs> without thinking that for every Beyonce, there were 10 people right. or 20 people who didn't meet their dream. I was going to uh, comment on um, the section where you read where Bill Cosby spoke about uh, the parent having seven children mm -hmm. and, and working, working at Walmart. Walmart. Again, to me, <laughs> as a people, we, we, are, we are not healed from slavery. Uh -huh. And I believe that's just vestiges of slavery mm -hmm. that's still being poured over into African Americans as a people mm -hmm. until we understand that you know having children is a precious com uh, commodity. Mm -hmm. It's not something you do 
just because I mean, because to, be because to your point at one time because we were slaves we were we were bought and sold to breed to breed and so exactly. it's almost like that behavior is still, still there a part of us we're it's, just having children and babies because exactly. that's what comes natural exactly. but i think part of that has come about because of our social welfare system as well when we didn't have a social welfare system, mm -hmm. we were entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. we owned our businesses. We didn't have anything to fall back on like that. Right. right. And we, we survived and we provided for our families. But once we started this welfare system, it's almost like a crutch. A crutch for us, absolutely. And I think sometimes. I can't say all of the persons because sometimes you need it you, you, Absolutely. because yeah. of circumstances. But I think right now, I think a lot of us, we rely too much on uh, the social system that we have. And I think our system is failing us. I think our system, when we have persons who need assistance, then we need to put systems in place to support them, to help them to get a GED. We need to work with businesses to give them jobs, even the homeless people. I don't think we do enough for those people, and I think that's a part of the process. That's why they become homeless, because of the education. way that we have, have worked with them, a lack of an education, or hard times. So I think in our system, uh, we said that we we're pouring money into education, but we're really not. As a matter of fact, we're cutting funding that needs to be put in education to help those communities that really need that help. We're not doing enough of that at this point in time. Speak of communities, our community, what it looks like, feel like, even sound like, is so much different than it was 20 years ago. When you think of the 60s, the 70s, those were supportive communities where people took care of each other. You knew your neighbors. You knew the, the uh, actions of what was going on. We do not live in communities like that anymore. We, kids live in communities now where parents do not let kids go outside. So I think as, as a people, we have broken away from a strength. Our strength was we had a strong community basis before we had the welfare system. And I want to go back to what you had said earlier about integration because that ties into what you were just saying. In what ways do you think integration has hurt us? Because I too believe that, well, the point that you were making was once integration took place, it affected the way that we educated our kids. Do you think or do you believe that perhaps we passed off the responsibility to the system, quote unquote, to educate our kids because it was now educated and we had this idea that if the schools were uh, integrated, better. our kids would get a better, better. education. Well, well I, to speak to that, I just think that we educate our children different than they educate our children. Uh -huh. And I know that some of our children are strong, opinionated, um, strong-willed young black boys have struggled in schools that are more white or more integrated because of cultural differences. differences. Yeah. Um, whereas with a black mom, if you cut up in the store, you're liable to get your behind beat in that mm -hmm. store. Mm -hmm. A white mom might threaten you with time out as you pull all the stuff off the rack. Right. Um, where, and that's going to be the same in the schools, you know, and sometimes our black boys get labeled as behavior problems when they're just strong-willed and opinionated. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because I just did a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago called The School to Prison Pipeline. And one of the articles that I read on that podcast, it was talking about just what you said and how we educate our kids differently than 
white people or whomever else may be in the classroom because oftentimes they regard our kids as the girls as unladylike as, as uh, precocious and just sassy so they're sometimes misinterpreted but we have to be careful too with that because it's not just the white people uh-huh. right. uh-huh. it is us elaborate on that meaning many of us feel like we've Arrive. Arrive. So just term. because we have a black right. face doesn't mean we have a right. black agenda. Exactly. It doesn't and does mean that we have the best interests of our children. Right. It doesn't mean that we can relate. Right. Our children need to be educated by people who understand the walk that and they are going and, through. And regardless of the tone. And everybody cannot. We have some white educators who do an excellent job of relating to our children, accepting our children. They're not afraid to go to the homes. They're not afraid to get close and down and dirty with the children. Mm -hmm. And we have black educators who are afraid. I'm not going to their house. I'm afraid. Or Oh, uh -uh, I don't want him in my room because of this, that, and the other. Um, So it's about how you relate. It's about your experiences growing up. It's about your frame of mind because there are some people who are open-minded enough to be able to handle it, but everybody's not, whether you're black or white. And I want to go back to what um, somebody said about the number of children people have. Mm -hmm. And part of that is about the healing in our community Mm -hmm. and that children don't equal love. Mm -hmm. Children don't equal acceptance. And I think some people in our community are broken or not broken, but they're missing something. Uh-huh. And they fill that gap with children. Yeah. But what happens is children, if you look at human growth and development, children need a bonding period with their parents. And for every child that comes in before that bonding is complete, that child misses something. Mm-hmm. So if I have a child and then 10 months later I'm, I'm having, having another child, child, my first child hasn't mm-hmm. completed the Division, bonding right. process. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they're going to have a that gap, gap that's going to have life. to be filled with something. Yeah. Then if I have two more children before my first baby is out of diapers, then now I have two children Speak with gaps <laughs> that need to be filled. And I think our black kids fill those gaps mm-hmm. with unwanted behaviors, unwanted Hobbies, yeah, kind of like skills, right? Just parenting. The ideal again. Remember, we were talking about vestiges of slavery. The kids were sold off. Mm -hmm. Now we're keeping the kids, not understanding that that gap is there and what to do to fill the gap. Yeah, we've always had big mamas, grandmamas. Extended families to help us with the process of raising children. But see, now extended families are younger. Uh, That's another. So what happens is, Mama is trying to live her life because she's still young and she Mm -hmm. still feels that she needs to be doing X, Y, Z because I have to live my life. Where moms now coming to elementary school, we have twenty-year-old moms, eighteen-year-old moms, twenty-five-year-old moms. They still want to do the things that twenty-five-year-olds do. And while some of our parents were, my mother was young. My mother was in her 20s. She was in her first year of college when she had me. She stopped going to college. She sacrificed everything to make sure I had everything I need. Mm-hmm. And that's not really what and, we're seeing happen. And that right? doesn't happen always today. Always. Some yeah. people do, but they sacrifice and their children in the process. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to say that one of our governors, I can't remember which one, he made a statement earlier that we need to develop or we need to create reform schools for some of our students. But to me, what we need to create, we need to create boarding schools. Mm. And I think putting our children in a boarding school, similar to what um, 
to take up that 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 slack that was just mentioned about the nurturing. I think if children went to a boarding school and was only allowed to go home periodically, mm -hmm. then I think they would get what they they deserve and what they need in order to be successful in school and uh, for the rest of their lives. But okay. that's all right. Go to ahead. add to that, even if you look at boarding schools, most wealthy white people send their kids they away do. to boarding mm -hmm. school and it works for them. Mm -hmm. We would just have to, it would be a concept that would um, include those who are uh, economically underprivileged, under, yeah. yeah, challenged, economically challenged. Now let's get to what our black kids need and our black families are not. We talked about the failure of social services to support our kids and this is a topic that people who know me know I talk about a lot. I think if we want to reform social services, attach education and the importance mm -hmm. of education to the social services. Mm -hmm. To me, mm -hmm. and it used to be a time like when, the, when housing projects were proliferate in Atlanta, mm -hmm. If your child missed a certain number of days of school, you yeah, had to leave. It affected your benefits in the housing project. Mm -hmm. Like to me, if your child, when you go to recertify every month or every how many every, every month you recertify, mm -hmm. then exactly. you need to be bringing your child's school records. Yes. How many parent-teacher conferences have you attended? Yes. How many days of school has your child missed? We need to be attaching education and what's happening with your child educationally with the benefits. Not just are you trying to find a job, but are you trying to find a job as well as are you trying to keep the children because the social services are really to benefit the children. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we need to really reform that system because I think a lot of what happens is because our parents are struggling so hard on this hand that sometimes when I go to work, I need somebody to keep my younger baby. So my older child stays at home to be the babysitter instead of coming to school. Which affects their attendance. Which affects their attendance, and which affects their grades. Learning. Yeah. You so know? Have there been and their socialization. Absolutely. So have there been instances where you've had to actually knock on the door? I know you mentioned earlier yes. that yes. there are white teachers and, and black teachers that will go to the homes. That is, I worked at a school where that was the that was the norm. That was the norm. I went and you had to knock on the door and the kids would be in the house with the parents. And they just wouldn't send them to school. Again, I think because um, African Americans, just as a people, we have such a healing that needs to take place. If we don't start to look at um, other alternatives of life for our children, boarding schools, connecting social programs to education, so that, or we are going to continue to breed uh, these violent kids, we're going to. With behavioral the, problems and aggression. The criminals. And, I think um, I was reading an article what, about two months ago, and it was stating how mental health will be mm. the number one mm. field in the next 15 to 20 years. Why? Because we're having kids having kids. There are no resources when kids who are, even if it's a social illness or mental illness induced by social causes, mm -hmm. you, know, you can have that. Poverty can cause mental illness. Yes. You know, um, so looking at what are we going to do when it comes to how do we how do we do this? And I think black as African Americans, we got to think about what are we doing for our kids. And so, we have to erase the stigma of dealing with mental illness yeah. because. Any adult that had a mental illness, nine times out of ten, it started to manifest near puberty, near the onset of puberty. And we have lots of people who are afraid to seek help for their children or afraid to even acknowledge that there is something that needs healing in their mm -hmm. children, that their children are not perfect. No one is perfect. 
everyone needs help with something. And what we have to do is when we have adults who have uncontrolled mental illness, who are very violent, who have um, recidivism, multiple criminal um, enterprises, those that, that stuff started to manifest in elementary yes. school. I would tell anybody, any problem you see as an adult in most cases, not every case, Manifested in elementary school. We saw signs of it. And like we talk about all the time where we... Mental illness is real in elementary Mm -hmm. school. We have kids who have... These kids deal with so much. Our kids. Our kids deal with so much. Like they have seen murders. They have seen rapes in their house. They have been the victims of molestation. They have been the victims of violent crimes. And those people. PTSD is real. Mental illness is real. And some of it is caused by the environment. But we have to deal with it. And schools. Period. Black schools. White schools. They do not have enough resources currently. And knowledge currently to deal with the influx of mental illness that we see as educators today. And that leads me back to the point where you were saying with educators. Educators are expected to be the cure-all for everything, and that is not right. I think that funding needs to be made available. Uh, We talked about right now, schools are giving money for FTE um, per student. What's FTE? FTE is um, full-time equivalence. Equivalence, and that's how money is given, and it's not adequate. She just gave you a perfect example. Children need mental uh, health assistance right there at the school. So, to me, based upon your school and your school needs, money should be allocated based on each individual school need to meet. Uh, whatever the problems or the needs of that student body. And that's not being done at this particular point in time. Um, The social services need to be right there on site in many of these schools to address some of the issues. Teachers should not have to deal with a lot of the things that they have to deal with. And I think if the the governor and, and all of the Chamber of Commerces, if they got together and spoke with people in the systems, then I think they would realize just how important and crucial it is to have all of these resources right there in every school that needs these resources for the students. And as we indicated, the type of child that we're educating today is quite different from the child that we educated years ago. And speaking of that, we need parent education. Mm -hmm. Some of our parents just do not understand fully the impact that each action has on their child. Um, well, but let me say this. Remember your point. But one of the things that I was going to ask when we were talking about PTSD and ADHD and those kinds of things, do you see an influx of parents that are having their kids labeled, if you will, so that they can get the financial benefit of that? Well, the law, the label, if a child is labeled ADHD, there is no financial benefit that's going to Okay. There has to be, give me the term that would be... In order to get financial, you have support. to be. You have to have some Severe, type of learning disability, yes. um, behavior disorder. Right, right. Develop, well, developmental disability, cognitive or developmental disabilities. But even our parents in understanding the effect of what we call drug-induced psychosis. Mm-hmm. What's put into what when our parents are smoking whatever it is they smoke. 
the kids are in the car, the kids are in the house, <laughs> the, kids the kids are in, in the, the womb. Right. And we get these kids, and yes, there is a higher um, prevalence of kids who are labeled ADHD. But again, look at the environment that they're coming from. And again, having the tools in the school. Yeah, I wanted to go back to, because you had made a point about uh, the parents aren't engaged enough. Uh, I was watching the State of Black America the other night on TV One, and one of the things that they mentioned was we're expecting these kids to be engaged and to perform at school and, and to defy all of these odds, but a lot of their parents, as you all have said in this conversation, aren't engaged. They're not present in the school at the PTA meetings. Um, and even when you get to the high school level, a lot of these kids, when, it's come, when it comes time to apply for college and financial assistance, they can't even fill out a FAFSA because the parents either A, aren't doing taxes, or they're not even there for the meetings to find out how to learn to do the taxes. So what were you going to say in terms of parents being out of touch? Well, two things. One, a lot of our parents are scared of labels. Yeah. So the help that children could get, they don't get because our parents don't want their child to have that label. In terms can of I, like what? Ask, special ed, yeah. any kind of it? any kind of label. If you're gonna label their child and you saying something is wrong with their child, our parents run from that. That's part of the black culture. It right. is. Which goes Even back to any type of therapy or label, it is. any type of mental health. <laughs> right. We it can be clear as day in in your right. in your eye and then your family. That goes yeah. way back. Yeah, with yeah. black people, yeah, way beyond, back. Yeah, so school. when yeah. we have children who have these symptoms or diagnoses, if you're not going to deal with it, parents, they're not willing and, to And that's it. where the parenting classes come in. I talk about parents being engaged. It's not just about being engaged. I think our parents, a lot of our parents who, we have parents who are very engaged and are there. Some of them to engage helicopter they do the work <laughs> they carry them down the hallway they want to carry their yeah. lunch trays all the night but we also have parents who don't understand how to engage, to engage. they so, don't understand how their involvement benefits their child like they don't understand that when you come to the school and you're there right. it makes your child have a certain pride and a certain uh -huh. your child wants to perform better because they know their mom is going to be there like some of it is not just about some of it is emotional. It touches the emotional intelligence, intelligence of right. our children. It's not all about you can come and help volunteer because some of our parents, I feel, are intimidated. They feel, they feel, and some of our schools are not welcoming to our parents who are lower income. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. Some of our schools are not welcoming. Some of our schools um, are intimidating to our parents. They use... Um, language that you know most parents we say when we write for parents when we speak for parents we speak, we speak on an eighth grade level um some of our people forget about that and they right. try to speak like a they're speaking to a doctoral right you have to recognize your audience yes right. and right. so sometimes we make our schools not welcoming to parents but even when we so do, the ones that would be more hands-on are intimidated because it's not as well and they don't know how like what can i do i i can't help my child with their homework i do i, I can't right. do this so what 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 use it is it for me to come right. to the school but there's always something you can do even if it's this the emotional aspect of getting your child to have pride in what they're doing so when their parent comes they have that pride you know i think i talk about reform social services part of that is parents and i think anybody who's having a new baby and who is on some type of social service program needs to have parenting classes that tells them when your child is born no baby talk 
We are talking to our <laughs> children as they are a, like we're children. using regular right. everyday language with them. No baba and wah wah and binky. Mm -hmm. None of that. We're using everyday real language with them. Whole language. Whole language. How important it is to read to your child for your child to hear your voice and positive things in the womb. Like we're not listening to mask off when our baby's in the womb. That is not productive to the growing <laughs> of the dendrites and the neurons for the baby. You know, uh, that's good to listen to in your car. When, when you're on your own, but when your child is in the car, mm -hmm. your child is in the womb, you know, the type of interactions and arguments and re relationships you have when you're, when your baby is in the womb, yeah. you know, read to your child every day in the womb and out of the womb. They need that. Even if you are reading a Dr. Seuss book, if that's the only book you can read, read that Dr. Seuss book. Dr. Seuss taught the world how to read Dick and, Dick and Jane. They back on the market. Buy some Dick and Jane. Everybody learn how to read with Dick but and Jane. I think, think we also have to look at our parents, the people who are having babies, hmm. and understanding that they don't have the model. There's no co there's not a model for them. That's why they and need that, those parenting classes from the beginning when they get pregnant to teach them how to raise a scholar. We're not just raising a baby. Mm -hmm. We are raising someone who a citizen. Right. Like this is what you need to do from the beginning so that your child can be successful in school. A lot of times we talk about they say, you know, our black kids don't achieve at the rate of white and Asian kids. And it's only because our kids come to school already a year and two behind. Uh, they yeah. come behind because the things that our, our all of our parents don't know, you start reading from your child from day one. The day they can hear your voice, you start reading to them. When you get them dressed, every let's put on your blue shirt. Let's put on mm -hmm. your blue Everything shoes. Everything has an article. Yeah. Everything has a yeah. name has a and name. you speak mm -hmm. it. But I would like to go back and add with what you just said. You said there come sometimes they come a year behind. They're always a year behind something to that effect. But I have observed children coming from other countries who can't even speak English. English. Mm -hmm. But so yet classy. after a year or two working with us, they excel. They become the, 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 the top, student. Uh, top student in the mm -hmm. school. So to me, that gets back to valuing and education. Absolutely. Their parents come over here yep. and they know when they come to school, they are coming to school for a purpose. And that purpose is to get an education so that they can help their parents. And that's the way they show love to their parents. Those are some of the things that we try to do uh, in working with our parents to get our parents to see the value of their children coming to school. We told them it was a job. So your child coming to get an education was his paycheck. Now, do you want your child to end up with zero at the end of the week or at least $10 or something, whatever we were giving? So we try to use situations like that to work with our parents. So even some of the parents that we have, we try to put some things in place to help those parents. With assembly programs, parents would come in ready to walk out the door. We had to teach them, you are not walking out of this door until the program is over. Okay. We had to teach them how to act. Right, we had to teach our parents the appropriate behavior that they needed to exhibit when they were in special programs and programs in which we were honoring or showcasing their students. So, you know, those types of things, some, you know, schools can do those types of things. But again, with our parents and working with our parents, we do need funding um, and we need social services in the schools to support what we're trying to do with the students that we receive. And I know that there are probably people listening, feeling like, or thinking, there are a lot of systemic 
things at play and a lot of social issues at play that prevent mm -hmm. a lot of this you know, productivity from happening. One of the articles that I read was talking about the whole war on drugs in terms of decriminalizing marijuana. Because, of course, now white folks are making money off of it, right. and it doesn't carry the same mm -hmm. penalty that right. a lot of black folks, a lot of black men in particular, were, locked, were up. locked up for. And so a lot of them are not even present in these homes or in mm -hmm. these communities. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that we can do to really support the children and to support the parents and, and to get those parents in there and make them more pre present, more visible, and more active? Support your local school. Uh, right now we're on the heels of a charter movement, a voucher movement, that's mass exited the public school. Explain to everybody what the difference is with the charter school. So charter schools are exempt from a lot of state requirements. There are some things they have to do. Um, they get exempt from certain things that public schools have to do. Like, For example, um, some charter schools can um, choose who they let in, a certain population. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. some charter schools target a certain area mm -hmm. of the city. Um, some charter schools, they have a lottery, but so while through the lottery, whoever makes it in the lottery gets to come, they don't have to stay. I can put you out. Mm -hmm. My neighborhood school, I can't put you out of my neighborhood school. So That's your school. Words, so in other words, their numbers or test scores are probably going to be higher because they're picking they're, who they want. Even if they don't pick and choose, they pick who they can pick can and stay. choose who, who can stays. stay. Who can right. stay. Um, they have the leeway to have a longer school day if that's what they need. They have the leeway to have smaller class sizes. If we have a class size too small, we might lose a teacher. In the middle of the year. Where with the public school. With that's the public take, school. You have right. to take whatever community right. you're serving. And charter schools at a certain time of the year, they cut it off. If you're not there by this time, you can't come. Whereas a public school, we had, at my school, we had three kids to enroll the last week of school, two weeks <laughs> before school was out. Because they were coming from up north where they go to school till June, July. We get out of school in two weeks. The parents like, oh, really? We where, where, where I'm from, we stay in school till June or yeah. till July. Okay, but you got to research your schools before mm -hmm. you move. We're getting ready to get out of school. We had kids. We have had 20 really? kids at my school yeah. enroll from March to May. Yes. And we got out of school May 24th. So just think, you coming to school the last month of school for what? Right. So um, I think charter schools, they can control when you come in and when you go out. They can control the discipline. Yes. If we have a discipline behavior at our school, we have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. So we can't put them out. you need to have the same kind of flexibility that charter schools have? Well, and that's what some of the school districts are doing. The state has allowed some school districts to have charter districts. Um, many school districts in the metro area go on charter district where schools with a local governance team can decide, a local team can decide what their school wants. So a lot of districts um, in the metro area are going toward that so we can have more flexibility, but we're not there yet. And so, even though we're still neighborhood schools, we're not going to be able to put people out. We have to deal with everybody. So you can't judge this charter school by what you judge me by, because I have to take all, all grade A, grade B, grade yeah. C, mm -hmm. whereas you can take all grade A, grade B, and grade C, but you can put out you half put of them, them yes. when you get ready to, by whatever means necessary. And that's just the facts. And I think that's where the state is lacking uh, with, you know, their, their, their failure to come up with regulations Every, the teacher is held accountable for everything in public schools. Parent is not held accountable for anything. And what she just mentioned with charter schools, those parents have to sign an agreement. They mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if they don't live up to that agreement, yep. then they that charter school has the right to withdraw that child at any time. Now, and if the public child... school had the same 
uh, opportunity and, yeah. to do that, then I think you will see a big difference in public schools. So again, the state needs to come up with some kind of accountability system for parents. Do we know some of the things that are in that charter agreement? Yes, like volunteer you? hours. They have to have a certain so number of volunteer, volunteer hours at the school. It could be at a, a volunteer that at a program to serve as a docent or something at the program. It could be volunteering at field day. It could be volunteering in the classroom, in the main office, so or in the library. going back to what right. you are saying, that social services right. needs to be doing. Right. It could be um, the children have to wear a uniform. They can't miss but a certain days, number of days of school. Right. Um, they have behavior things in that contract. Attendance they have to come stuff. to a, attendance. They have to come to a certain number of parent conferences. So there are lots of things that are, and it depends on the charter school, that are in that contract that those parents have to agree to, those who take their children to charter schools. And the, the issue with, with public school is we, we don't have all of those things. And I think it's not all of our parents because our parents that are able do. We have a large amount of parents who do, but our most needy children, our most at-risk children, mm -hmm. those are the parents who are typically on some type of social service, and that's why I think education needs to be tied to social service. Yeah. The same way a charter school has attendance requirements, these social services need to have attendance requirements, volunteer requirements, all of those things because those are the things that impact our children. We have children... We call, why are you not at school? Oh, they said they stomach hurt. Well, they stomach hurt today. They stomach hurt yesterday. They stomach hurt two days ago. Are you taking them to the doctor? Or their mm -hmm. stomach just conveniently hurts every Monday, and they and miss Friday. every Monday. Or you come check them out every day at 1 o'clock. School doesn't get out till 2.30. Or you don't bring them the first week of school. Or they're not doing anything the first week of school. Uh -huh. Don't bring them the last week of school. Mm -hmm. Or they're not doing anything the last week of school. Mm -hmm. Just... Lots of little things. We we've I've had to personally go knock on doors, even doing testing. Why why is your child not here? Oh, I didn't know they were testing. We have so many ways to communicate with parents. Now, when we went to school, there was no Facebook, no Twitter, no uh, email. Instagram, email, mm -hmm. robocalls. Like we institute all that. Plus, we still use the good old paper, and we call your house, but you change phone numbers too much. House. We can't find you. Mm -hmm. We have your child sick at school all day. And we can't find you because your number changes five times a month mm -hmm. or whatever's going on in your life. There needs to be some consistent seat in your life for your child. You can't move every five months because your neighbor has made you angry or because you didn't feel like paying your rent. So now you have to move. You have to be consistent for your children. We have children who have been, who are in fifth grade, who have been attending elementary schools. Ten elementary schools. That's and I, I think what, what she's saying is there need to be a state... Uh, level of um, expectation for all schools to have the equal, equal requirement. Charter schools should not look different from a public school when it comes to just taking care of the basic need. We're not talking about testing or learning yet. We're just talking about getting the kid to the door. I think that that standard of F for all schools in order for kids to go to school should be the same no matter if it's charter, private, public, whatever you want to call it. So that no matter if you're rich or poor, this is the standard for if we're educating kids in this country. And I just want to echo again because I, I just know that there's somebody listening thinking, yeah, well, black families don't have the same resources that white families have. We understand that. We understand that there are different things at play. But these are just some of the tools, and hopefully somebody listening can apply some of these tools in their own lives and with their own children. And getting, a, 
If that standard is across the board for every child who attends school, it won't matter if you if you don't have resources. If the state requires for you to participate, if your child is of a certain age and you should be at school, if you can't miss certain amount of days, if that is the requirement, it should matter if you're wealthy or not. I don't think the state or the states are intending for it to be yeah. standard. Yeah. 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 And and, and, that, and that's, that's where it. I'm going with it because when you go back to the system, mm -hmm. the intention is there. I mean, at the root of it, at the mm -hmm. base of it, it mm -hmm. is a black and white thing. And I do literally I think mean black that and white. Maybe on yeah. down the line, um, and maybe present, that is segregation. Yeah. I see segregation coming back into play as far as the school system is concerned, the charter schools. Mm -hmm that they will have the more elite, maybe, uh -huh. children. I already do. Okay. And then the public sector will have the poor economic. It's by design. Yes, downtrodden. Yes, it's by design. Well, what I'm going to go out on the limb here. You know, a lot of countries that people like to compare the U.S. to don't educate every child the same. Yeah. In the U.S., it's yeah. all about the appearance of providing every child with the same mm -hmm. educational opportunity. Mm -hmm. A lot of countries, we I like to compare it. ourselves to Asian countries, in, uh, uh, mm -hmm. European countries. A lot of them are not every child gets the same education no matter what. Some of those countries track children from a very early age. And is tracking okay? Not always. But there are times when, like, I like the fact that some schools... For example, my own children go to a school. They only have college track. Mm -hmm. The only track they have is college track. My child is not a college track child. Mm -hmm. He needs something else. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not an option. Mm -hmm. So he's not thriving mm -hmm. in that environment. Whereas another school down the street, they have shop where mm -hmm. the kids can come out industry certified mm -hmm. to change oil and change tires and work on cars. We have another school where the kids can come out as industry certified chefs mm -hmm. or a cosmetologist or something like that. There needs to be options for all children that don't mean one size fit all. Right now right. in the U.S., we are still trying to, first of all, our calendar, our schooling is still based on the agricultural model. Okay. The way the school calendar is designed, the way the school day is designed, is still based on our children going, having to leave to go support work and work in the field or do whatever. Our children are not working in the field anymore. Right. That is not the jobs they are choosing to partake of. And the parents either. <laughs> and our parents either. Therefore, the model oh, of schooling needs to change. It you know, do we talk about summer loss? And I know I'm jumping all over the place, but we talk about summer loss and our kids lose so much during those summer mm -hmm. months where they used to be working mm -hmm. that we're wasting time. Mm -hmm. um, you can take the 180 days that the state requires for children to go and divide that up so many ways. Like, why are we going to school in the middle of the snow when we have to be out of school all the time? School should be closed when it's snowing outside and cold. And be open in the sun, you know, later in the year. Not in well, the summer. We have to have the summer. Yeah, plenty of times. It's cheaper to go when it's not the summer. It's more expensive to go on vacation in the summertime. <laughs> so we can rearrange some of these vacations so they're not so lengthy and long so that our children get what they need. But or I just all think all schools shouldn't have the same schedule. Based on what their children need. I just think there's so much, but there's always something we can do to start small. If you want to know what you can do today, Call your state senators and your representatives and talk about true early child care. Schooling is not mandatory in Georgia until the age of six. 
That means until you're six, you are not, unless you bring your child. Now, if I bring them at five, I'm mandated to keep Mm -hmm. them there. But I legally in Georgia don't have to bring my child to school till six. That's first grade. That means you can bring a six-year-old in first grade who's never seen a piece of a classroom and put them in first grade with people who've been in school two and three years. So first of all, we need to talk about early child care. Then we need to talk about parenting classes Mm -hmm. as a part of early child care, as a part of birthing programs at hospitals, all hospitals, because we have lots of parents who live in trailer parks. We have lots of whites and Hispanic poverty people, too. Not just talking about black people. Mm -hmm. If you live, if you are in poverty, if you need help, if you don't have resources of your own, the resources should be there. And part of that is teaching you how to parent for your child to go to school because there are some things you do very differently for a child who intends you intend for this child to go to school and be successful like talk about programs they are piloting a program right now in emory um where nurses come in and teach the parents about reading to their children in the womb about how to have conversations with their children in the womb that shouldn't be a pilot anymore we know that works that should be across the board at every hospital where children are born. born These parenting classes, these classes need to be available. Mandated. Uh, mandated. Mm-hmm. So there are some things you can do small right now. Call your senators and tell them to stop cutting public funding. For every dollar, for example, oh, this is big in the news right now, state charters. So charter schools are going around the school districts. Typically, the charter school petitions to the school district and say, may I have permission to open in your district? Charter districts can say, no, we have an oversaturation, we don't have any room, we don't think your uh, business model is productive or long-lasting. They can go petition to the state. Well, we have all these, we have five or six state charter schools right now up for review who have D's and F's. The charter school model was supposed to give them a better than public (laughs) school model. But we have six schools right now sponsored by the state who are failing. D's and F's, they are worse than the schools they supposedly were supposed to replace. But yet the state keeps approving them and the state wants to take over low, low, um, low performing schools in this new district. They're trying to go around and go behind the voters back and do. But the schools you manage are failing. Not all of them. There are some that are doing great, but a large majority of the state schools are failing. Tell your republic, your representatives, (laughs) tell your, you said it right. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your representatives. To stop cutting public funding. If you make a mandate, fund the mandate. It's very simple. Put a wraparound, what we call wraparound services, mm-hmm. but those social services at yeah. the schools. If I have a high attendance problem, there's something my school needs. If I have kids coming to, not coming to school because they're dirty, because mm-hmm. they're sick, that means I need health care and laundry services and bathing services at my school. If I have lots of kids who have uh, mental health issues, mental health issues or, or, or counseling family issues, their families going through struggles, that means I need some counselors and some therapists at my school. Tell your representatives to put, in fact, go to your local businesses. How are you supporting the community school? We have so many businesses in the community who don't support the community schools. They support the charter schools. These charter schools and some of these private schools can raise millions of dollars. So then that goes back to the... Why can't the public school the do parents that? parents in those communities, though, if they, right. they're intimidated they're to come to right. the school to participate in the school, what's the likelihood that they're going to go to a local business owner and say, listen, we need you guys to support... What's going on at this but school? that's what we need and we need the people who do have the resources to do that you can you can serve as a representative for the people in your community who don't have that voice 
Everybody is not going to be empowered. But there are those of us in communities who do have that power, who do have those resources, who do have those connections. Are you using your connections to promote this charter school that's pulling away the best students, that's pulling away funding from the traditional school or the private school down the street that's opening? Are you pushing that because you want your children to have a better option? Your children can have a better option. Fix your public school. Now, in terms of like education, because I believe that part of the problem, too, and this is just another tier, education has not kept up with technology. You know, and you have so many kids. I have nieces and nephews. You have so many kids that are so locked into an iPad or Mm -hmm. an iPhone, and they're really good at it. They Mm -hmm. It's instinctive. Mm -hmm. So I just think in some instances, the lessons need to be tied into education or the lessons need to be tied into technology, whether it's uh, implementing some of their, uh, the lessons where the kids can use their iPhones, and of course, and I don't mean like in the elementary level because I know they some do. of those they do it now. Some of them do we, have we, now. That's part of that is technology is in the classroom, and you and have some, and you have some in the city. In the city, you have some where they use iPhones to do their projects or to communicate with the teacher or do lessons. You, everyone has iPads now. Everyone, but it has to be a continuation of um, teachers continuing to, to learn because yeah. you know technology changes every right. day every then, second is something different and then sometimes are there teachers that are that are perhaps older that are intimidated yes. by the technology yeah that are intimidated yeah. by using an ipad yeah. but i think something that that impedes that when it does is that we're so focused on testing mm-hmm. that because you're so focused on the testing that sometimes you don't have time to efficiently and productively use the technology that you need to use. Oftentimes, we are, we are, you know, we want our students to do project-based activities and, and, and learning and experiential learning. However, because sometimes we are so focused on, oh, I got to achieve so much on this test and test mm-hmm. that we tend to ignore a not spend sufficient amount of time. So I think, again, the State Department needs to do something to reduce the required testing that they are forcing schools to do because I think that is having a detriment uh, to the educational achievement of many of our students. I also think it impacts those low-performing uh, schools. If you what look the test at do? Test, if you look at schools that have high transition, high attendance, uh, poor attendance, and you look at testing. If children are out a percentage of time and the test is based on that 180 days, more than likely your test is going to be skewed because my kids they don't come. There. Right, right. right, right. Mm-hmm. So the learning, uh, again, as uh, we spoke earlier about changing the model, how we educate. We, our kids need to be in school all year round. Our, our kids, mm-hmm. uh, you know, testing. The test is not the test, it's the timing. It's not enough time. The school day is too short. When you have kids that are behind or enter school two years behind, that's 7.5 hours. We need more time if we're going to get them where they need to be in a sufficient amount of time. Okay. And, and speaking of the technology, I know some people might say, okay, you're going back to limited resources. Everybody doesn't have access to an iPhone on the Internet. Get your hustle on. 
That's no excuse mm-hmm. in 2017 mm-hmm. because every major internet provider, if your family gets social service yeah. benefits, yeah. Yeah. will yeah. give you discounted Georgia. internet. Yeah. Not only that, those free phones you're going out there getting, yeah. get a smartphone for your child to use. There are lots of refurbished selling. Mm-hmm. There are places where you can get these devices for cheap. There are programs that we've offered to our parents. Mm-hmm. Come to three classes and your child can take home a computer. Yeah, and so, people don't come. They're so, so... The children who are the most needy, there are so many resources out there. Our parents Tara. just have to be willing to sacrifice and, and go get them. And that's, that's what the problem no excuse. is. And that goes back to having something mandatory. Yeah. That needs to be tied to it. It's no excuse for you to say, not. we don't have internet in our home. It's Every not. internet provider provides discounted internet mm-hmm. if you receive benefits. Yeah, that's yes. right. And here in Georgia, and this might be helping somebody, in Georgia, if you have, um, if you are on food stamps, SNAP, SNAP mm-hmm. you can get AT&T internet ATT does it. Comcast for $10. does it. Right. Comcast does the same thing. Yeah. That's why I say every major provider here does it. So there's no excuse. Um, there are so many people with phone companies now. You can get a phone and get an iPad or a tablet for free. You know, um, they have res- resources. We just have to be, first of all, our people are prideful. Our people don't want no help, don't want to ask for no help, don't want to take no help. I don't need your help. I don't need what you're offering. We still have problems like that. Our people are prideful mm-hmm. about the wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> we are very prideful about how we look. Our child will miss school so he can go get that hair laid yes. to the side yes. for prom or for school pictures mm-hmm. or for the school dance. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to go ahead and ask somebody for some free internet so your child can do their school projects. So we're prideful. We're prideful. Our children got the best. But we got them new J's. Mm-hmm. We got them little religion jeans. We got them. Oh, honey, we got that new uh, car. Okay, but your child don't come to school every day. So then that goes back to what you were saying with Bill Cosby. How our parents have put a value on Mm -hmm. material things Mm -hmm. rather than that education and looking at uh, what we indicated, what can be done right now. So one of the first things that I see is parents need to to step up to the plate Mm -hmm. and make sure they're doing all that they can do Mm -hmm. for their children. In addition to that, right? And in addition to that, the state need to provide adequate and appropriate funding to the schools to provide those services to help those parents who are deficient in other areas. So it sounds like we're all saying the same thing that Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby said. We're just using different language. Right. Because in the end, it's about parents are their child's first first teacher. Yes. Mm -hmm. First. And with that comes responsibility. As your child's first teacher, are you teaching your child to survive in the now, in the hood? Or are you teaching your child so that your child can be a productive citizen and survive in the world? And that's what you got to think about. Is is what you're teaching your child, because every parent teaches their child something. But what is that something you're Mm -hmm. teaching? Are you teaching them to be successful right now in this environment, in this hood? Or are you teaching them to be successful? helping them be successful forever in the future for the world and what's to come because they're because they're learning 
from watching you. Not just everything, not just education, but in terms of how to be in relationships. Yes, um, whatever kind of relationships to, you have in your life, that's 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 what they're learning. As yes, well. what you let them watch on TV, they're learning. We have so many girls. What is a frenemy? We didn't talk about frenemies in school, but right. so much reality TV now. They mm-hmm. watch that, and those that that is how our young women are learning to interact with each other based on what they see mm-hmm. on TV. Our young men are learning to react to. Uh, React to our young women the way they see men on TV react to women or the men in their neighborhood or the men in their house. So everything you do is you are teaching your child. And it's just about what you want them to learn. Like, do you want them to be successful now or do you want them to be successful in the future? So what we all are saying is our first point of contact is the parent. Absolutely. I would say the first contact with the parents, but some of our parents need those services that the state needs to Mm -hmm. provide. My colleague just indicated that she said the world, I want to use the term global Mm -hmm. in a global society. Mm -hmm. Because when we look at America now, we have an influx of immigrants and they speak various language. Not only do we need to speak English, our children need to have at least a second language. Bilingual. Right. When we look at children from other countries, they know three and four and five mm-hmm. languages. Mm-hmm. And I notice now that a lot of our American teachers now are working abroad. And I'm happy to see that that's happening as well. So helping our students to grow and develop so that they can be successful in a global society, no matter where they are. And you know what? People who are listening right now who want to do something today, I, I can't go bring a million dollars to my community school. Go in your school. Mentor a child. Mm-hmm. There is a child right now who has a gap in their life that you, who are successful, and you don't have to be rich successful, but if you are gainfully employed, if you are a productive voting citizen, Mm -hmm. if you are in your community doing something positive for your neighborhood, then you are successful. Mentor a child. Help a family. Reach out to someone who may be struggling a parent. Look, girlfriend, let me take you to this uh, parent-teacher conference with me. I'm, I'm on my way. Let's come on. Let's go. I'm going to let my teenager keep your babies or we're going to take your babies with us and we're going to go to this conference together. Take a friend with you. When you go to parent conferences, when you go to something at the school and you see your neighbor still at the house, knock on that door. Girl, come on with me. It's parent teacher night. Let's go. Help somebody. Reach up. We have to go back to the old way yes, of we do. reaching back and helping each other. Yep. Everybody in their neighborhood has somebody you can reach out and say, I, I got your back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you. You know what? I'm going to keep your kids right now so you can go to the parent conference without having to worry about all of them. I got you. Or you need a ride? Girl, I'll take you up there. I'm going that way. So there's something you can do right now. Help somebody in your community. Go to your neighborhood school, your neighborhood public school. Mentor a child. Volunteer. You have something to share with those young people. Those young people need to see people with their experience who look like them mm-hmm. Doing something besides shaking their butts, shooting balls, and singing in front of a microphone. Okay, so the purpose of this podcast is really to have a conversation with some educators here in the Atlanta area. I want to really get to the bottom of the needs that our children, our community need, our children need, what our child and what the black family can give to support you guys.